0: This is GNE, the podcast, Golf and Entrepreneurship, episode 13 with Maurice Allen, professional long drive competitor.
1: I knew ultimately at the end of the day I was called to do something so, so, so much bigger and I just never gave up on that no matter how hard it got, no matter what people thought that oh there was no way and this is a dead end and you just need to give up and you need to find something else to do so when you feel as though you're called to do something when your gut feeling tells you that you're bigger and better than where you are at that moment you need to give it everything that you have and understand that it's not always going to be a better roses on that journey but when you get to the point where you're starting to reap the benefits of it You'll, you'll truly have a greater appreciation for it, and that's why I absolutely love this game of golf.
0: Welcome back to G and E the podcast, Golf and Entrepreneurship. This is episode thirteen, and my name is Ryan Walker, and I am your host and the founder of G and E Magazine. G and E the brand is dedicated to all things golf and entrepreneurship. We are talking to people who are taking their passion for golf and they are turning it into their career, and doing so in amazing ways. And today we have on an amazing guest. His name is Maurice Allen. And many of you may know Maurice. He is a world long drive competitor. He has an incredible amount of accomplishments in the sport. He is a 2016 Volvic Long Drive European Tour champion, uh, being ranked number one in the European Long Drive. And he's also doing other great things in the sport. He is highly involved with the Boys and Girls Club of America, being appointed ambassador of golf. And overall is just doing great things for the sport and has worked incredibly hard to get to where he is today. And so everyone, I'm really looking forward to you guys to, you know, hear Maurice's story and learn more about him. And so welcome to the show, Maurice. How you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I really appreciate it.
0: Of course, man. So, uh, usually how I like to start off these interviews is we kind of dive into a little bit about your background. So, do you mind uh, taking a second to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to this point of where you are today?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, By trade, I guess I'm a track and field athlete. Um, I've played every sport that you can think of, football, except for basketball, but football, track and field, soccer, volleyball, I uh, had a few stints in uh, a few other sports, but those were the big things that I did. Um, try uh, golf came really out of nowhere. I had a friend of mine who owned a uh, golf sport, golf store, uh, golf etc., which is similar to an Edwin Watts in the South. It went out of business uh, quite a few years ago, and he bet me I was an athletic enough to the golf ball and hit a seven iron, two hundred and thirty something yards and the rest of it was history he told me i need to go try this long drive thing out i never ever ever heard of it if you look at some of my other interviews online i always talked about how when i looked it up i was like oh man these guys have to be on steroids because hitting the ball 400 and some odd yards was absolutely something (laughs) that i had never ever ever heard of and i made a comment i was like oh well i'm one of those steroid guys now but what i was saying was that i'm one of those guys who hits the ball an absolutely unrealistic distance and it's um it's definitely a joy for me. It gives me a platform to try to raise a lot of social awareness issues that I think a lot of people overlook. Uh, so that's just that's just a big part of it for me, but it literally started with a bet. I didn't play high school golf. I didn't play junior golf. I didn't play you know collegiate golf, any of those things. I wasn't on somebody's team growing up. So uh, my dad tried to introduce me to the game as a kid, but not something that I took serious i played baseball ran track and things like that so uh, i actually ran track and played baseball which are both spring sports so i had enough stuff going on in the spring so in summer as well i was also a two two sport athlete in the fall so no time there either so i I really wasn't looking for another sport it's not something that i did or even picked up it where i grew up it really wasn't cool to play golf either so that obviously didn't help me Try to pick it up or pursue it on a serious level, uh, or on any level at all.
0: Gotcha. Where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in um, pretty much the west side of Orlando, a place called Pine Hills, Florida. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's the northwest side of Orlando.
0: All right, cool. And so you grew up basically playing, you know, every sport out there. Did you end up going to college and playing anything?
1: Yeah, I went to Florida and M. I went to well, I went to USF first, then transferred to Florida and M. Played football as well as ran track collegiately. Uh, baseball came later on. Had some tryouts for major league teams and things of that nature. Uh, my whole sports career has solely been based around speed. That's been the big thing for me, and that's what got me to play the different sports at high levels. Obviously, that's one of a major component when you look at long drive. Swing speed is the big thing. So speed, and just in a different way, but speed is what is the one thing that separates long drivers for the rest of the golfers would be swing speed. So that was something over time that I I had a natural knack for speed, obviously, but the golf swing is something completely different. So you have to find a way to build your swing speed, but also find the control and find the swing that's necessary to compete at a high-level long drive where you take the spin off the ball. You can try to minimize, I wouldn't say eliminate, but minimize side spin as much as possible uh, to hit the ball and keep it in the grid.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I grew up playing baseball, and the golf swing is a completely different animal. And, you know, I mean, speaking of speed, did, uh, did I read it correctly? You had the Guinness World Record for, was it golf ball speed or swing speed? Which one was it?
1: Um, I used to have, well, that's a that's a weird uh, question. Uh, having the Guinness Book of World Records for ball speed was something that I had. But when I broke it, I broke it with a fairway wood rather than a driver. So I put up 211 with a fairway wood. No one has ever tried that before nor since, so I guess from that standpoint, with a fairway would, I would still have the Guinness World Record for that. As far as swing speed is concerned, there was no official Guinness World Record for swing speed, but I have one of the fastest swing speeds ever recorded at 164 miles an hour.
0: Wow. Uh, that's crazy. So, like you were saying, you're now you're one of those guys who can just hit it, just an unrealistic, you know, amount of yards. Which I I truly don't know how you do. I'm a big guy. I'm like 6'4", 200 pounds, and I think I hit it pretty far. But I just don't know how you guys do it. And so, you know, you 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 made this bet. What was like the process then from there? Because you, I'm guessing you didn't start hitting it that far out of nowhere. How'd you start getting so good and realizing that this would potentially be a career path?
1: Um. Believe it or not, um, introduced to the game as a kid, I had hit a golf ball before and things of that nature. But the first time I went to a competition was the same day as that bet, and I hit a ball three eighty nine, but it was out of bounds. The guy working the grid that day couldn't find the balls because he was sitting at three fifty, three forty, which was the longest balls of the day at that particular grid in that competition, and. He said he heard some stuff in the trees behind it, but it was uh, the back of the driving range, which was actually perpendicular to a golf hole. So he had assumed that it was people hitting off the tee and hitting into the back of the range, not somebody hitting the ball 30, 40 yards over his head and landing in the bushes back there. And so for me, I've actually, from the moment I started doing this, I've always hit the ball very hard, very long, but the biggest issue was obviously control keeping the ball in the grid just like most golfers when i started i used to hit this big huge if you want to call it a slice but that thing was terrible it probably moved <laughs> 80 yards from left to right um we make a big joke about it in the long drive community because when i when we used to compete in mesquite i would literally aim 100 yards left of the grid and still bring the ball back in uh and that was just what i had to do to compete because i couldn't hit the ball straight so i went from you know, being able to absolutely mash the ball, but I had no clue where it was going. To now, I have a little better control on how to hit the ball and where it's going.
0: That's amazing. So, so you're kind of a natural starting off. Um, so, when did you? So, you you realize you kind of had a talent with this. When did you decide to go all in? And are you, is this kind of your full time career now, or were you working on the side while while working at this? How how'd that go about?
1: Um. I guess I decided to do this full-time when that was 2011. I was in chiropractic school, and I found myself spending more time in the range than I did in class while I was working on my doctorate, and the president of the university pretty much told me, you got to pick and choose, and his recommendation was school will be here forever. The school has been here for 80 years. It's not going anywhere. This opportunity is a very short-lived window, and I suggest that you take this one. So I took that opportunity, and... I did some little stuff, odds and ends in between, just to try to make ends meet. And I was actually working as a consultant for PGA junior league golf in the winter, well, the winter of 15 or the transition from 2014 to 2015, when it dawned on me, if this is something that I really wanted to do, that I had to give it a hundred percent of my time. And my, my thought process was, if I want to be a professional long driver, and I need to put in a minimum of eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, because that's what is considered to be the hours that are deemed to be a professional in, you know, in, in business or whatever career it is that you choose. So I quit my consulting job and decided that this is what I was going to do. And ever since from that moment forward, it's it's paid off really, really well. So I'm extremely grateful for that.
0: Yeah, it's really cool, man. I've been I've been seeing you on golf channel uh in interviews, I've been seeing you in the long drive and so clearly it's uh it's paying dividends and you, you really do have to put everything in and, and and dedicate, you know, if you're trying to do something extraordinary. And so, you know, with that being said, what is your training regimen like since you're you know you're all in on this? What's a day to day in the life of Maurice like?
1: Uh day to day is you wake up around five AM, you go to the gym, you go for a run, you swim, you hit balls. You play some golf, work on your chipping and putting, which most people don't understand why a long drive guy will work on chipping and putting, but um, then you run, you go to the gym again, you hit balls at the range at night. It's a constant thing of uh, my belief is to beat my body down as much as humanly possible so that when I'm standing on the competition tee box that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I can look at the guy next to me on the left and on the right and say, well, I know I've never been out-trained. Uh, if this guy beats me, it's because either I beat myself or he's just a superior athlete. And then what I'll go do is I'll go train even harder. Or I'll figure out the things of that nature. Um, so for me, I've always been a workhorse. That's just the work ethic I've had from playing other sports. When you're not where you want to be, the only way you get there is to work and to train harder. So that's just been my mentality. I know that I'm, I've been behind the, the curve or behind the ball with a lot of the guys. I've been in the golf game or been around golf, played junior golf, and things of that nature. So I have pretty much have tried to find a way to compact a week's worth of learning for the average golfer into a day's worth of work for me, and that's been my way of looking at the learning curve and how can I learn to compete more efficiently and be one of the top-tier loan drivers in the world.
0: That's awesome, man. It sounds uh, it sounds like you know quite the uh, the training regimen. So yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, saw you on SportsCenter the other day, and you're talking about how you thought these long drive guys were, you know, some of the best athletes in the world. And for me, it sounds like um, some people might not see the behind the scenes hard work that goes into it. <laughs> Is, would you agree with that? Is that kind of you know where you're going with that statement? Because I loved it, man. I loved your passion yeah. about it, and it was amazing.
1: I mean, me and my mouth will get me in trouble sometimes, but one thing about it is (laughs) I'm one of those guys who, if I say something, it doesn't matter. I'll go back it up and I'll go improve it. It's not just all talk. It's not fluff. It's definitely not something for a media hype or to get attention. But that was something I felt and I still feel is one of the biggest things when I look at the competitors in the long drive competition, or especially in the top 50, top 32 guys in the world, Most of those guys were athletes in other sports, whether it be hockey or baseball or football or something of that nature. They are not guys who are your traditional old school 1970s golfer where guys weren't working out. They were overweight and things of that nature. When you look at golf, it really changed with the Tiger Woods era when he became more, he required golfers to be more athletic, golfers to be more cut, golfers to be more toned, more physically fit and in shape, not just a guy who's smoking a cigar, drinking a brandy, walking around the golf course. Uh, if you look at the early pictures of Rory McIlroy, he was a chubby kid out there playing golf. <laughs> he look was. At him now and he's, he's, he's in shape and he's jacked up. Uh, probably, if you look at Dustin Johnson, he was a multi-sport athlete, Ricky Fowler was a multi-sport athlete. Jordan
0: Speed, baseball Um, player.
1: Yeah, Jordan Speed. If you look at Cabrera Bello, he is probably a – I've seen him work work out while we were in Dubai, and he is an absolute monster in the gym. So I think a lot of people discredit not only long drivers, but golfers as well because they, they think that it's a game. And what golf really is, while it is a game, it's also a sport. It's physical chess. When you look at these guys walking around the course, they're walking a minimum of five miles. They have to keep their brain intact because the moment that their brain goes, the body goes, they'll make bad decisions. They'll hit the ball poorly and they're constantly having to use their imagination under the gun. Well, that's the same thing you would see in any other sport. Um, So yeah, I do believe that long drivers and or golfers are some of the best athletes on the planet, especially the top tier guys. I mean. Yeah, maybe the guy who's at the bottom of the the rum or maybe at the bottom of the money list or who's barely on a mini tour and things like that or barely on a PGA tour. Maybe not, but definitely your top, top guys. You look at Bubba, you look at Dustin, you look at Jason. Those guys are definitely top-tier athletes. You look at the top 10, top 20 guys in long drive. You're definitely talking about top-tier athletes again.
0: Ah, I couldn't agree more, and you know, fitness and golf are starting to go hand in hand. Um, And it also kind of plays into the mental side, which we'll dive into in a bit. But I love how you said that physical chess. It's so true. It's um, you got you got to stay in it for five hours, and people don't sometimes, I guess, watching realize that the challenge and how tiring it can actually be is what you know. It's yeah, there's no halftime in golf. Yeah, there's no halftime. There's absolutely no halftime.
1: Yeah, you, you're, you're going the whole round. I mean, yeah, leisure golf, you make a turn and you go in and you have a burger and you sit down you watch a little sports center back, and then you go back out every now and again. But when you're playing true competition golf, you're always on the move. You're trying to find a, a nice balance between being engaged and being relaxed. Uh, unlike other sports, when, you, when I was running track, I'd always get nervous. I'd always get antsy. That adrenaline rush would happen, but I could really utilize that Because I knew the moment that the gun went off, I could use that, push out the blocks, and go hard and never have to hold anything back. When I played football, you know, you find the first down kickoff and you try to lay them out. Okay, cool. And you can ice your veins that way, get over that nervous twitch. Well, when you're standing on the number one tee box, your hand's trembling, and you know that every shot counts, every tee shot counts, you have to hit the ball in the fairway, you have to keep it in play, that's different. Um, In long drive, you're standing there, still have the same stuff going on and you have to make sure most importantly in long drive because if you're a degree open or a degree closed that can change the whole dynamic of how you go into the ball which can move you anywhere from 10 yards to 50 yards so you really have to be careful on that too you have to control your nerves you have to take the outside forces that you're fighting against and find a way to quiet the demons to quiet the voices so that I think that's what makes it completely different and makes it a sport not just a game
0: yeah, I agree. And in my personal um, pursuit of p- trying to play golf, you know, at the highest level I can possibly can. Uh, I've learned so much about myself, and that's mainly from the mental side, and that's kind of filtered into every aspect of life. And so, I guess I would kind of like to follow up with uh, the next question. Would be I'd like to talk about, you know, how did you adjust to the mental side? Because now all of a sudden you're under the lights, you know, you're you have people going nuts, and and uh, you know, how did you calm yourself down? Did you find it to be an adjustment uh, to kind of you know get mentally stronger for for all this?
1: It's still an adjustment. I mean, if you look at me in the first round on the Golf Channel last week versus the second round. The second round, I was still rushed. Um, That was because I wasn't able to get truly comfortable on the box. Uh, The first round, I was in my element, laughing, joking, cutting it up with Glenn. We had a great time on the box. But I was able to keep it together. Um, So for me, it's, it's a serious adjustment. And the bigger part of it is probably because the long drive formats are different when it's televised versus when it's not. When it's not televised, it's eight balls. When it's televised, it's four and four. So that's a different time schematic that you're looking at, how you get to go into it and things of that nature. But even with that, every every hitter has its tendencies. You know, for me, it's my hands will get too fast, and I'll yank and pull, hook the ball like you saw in Center. The first shot they showed, I mean, I hit that joker dead left 45 degrees. And that's one of my tendencies. But if I stay inside on that ball and I can just keep myself controlled and keep my composure you'll get the 430 bomb like what you saw before um on sports center so it's every every player has their tendency and i think the more that you compete the more that you get yourself in those pressure situations you really find out a lot about yourself it's like being a rookie at augusta versus a guy who's been there 10 years you're like all right well i know the pins over here so this is just what i'm going to do or this is something that I have a problem with, I've had a problem with this. I've seen this shot six or seven times, things of that nature. So the more that you do it, um, the more that you'll really find out about yourself and who you are and what your tendencies are. So for me, it's I've, the last two years, uh, this would be the third year, I've grown significantly just because I've competed so much and I've competed to a place where I go back after the end of all my competitions and I talk with my coach and we do a real review on what were you thinking? What happened here? Well, what did your hands do? What were you feeling? Was your heart rate up? Were you able to control your breathing? Were your hands shaking? And, and and just little small things that you pay attention to. And that's a big thing in golf. It's never the big things. It's really always the small things that sometimes we overlook. And in a life lesson, that's exactly the things that can get you in trouble in life as a whole. When you really overlook the small things that you really need to pay attention to. And that could be the difference between winning and losing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, you're really pushing yourself to the max, and, and you learn a lot about yourself in the, in the process of that. And so, and I'm kind of wondering if, you know, if for people listening and they're, they're hearing about you talk uh, about long drive and everything like that. What is the process like to get to you know where you are today? Because is there like is there my league long drive tournaments? I saw you had a, a, a time over in Europe playing. What what was it like when you first started to kind of get to this point? So the,
1: the uh, sport of long drive has changed significantly. They've uh Now that the Golf Channel owns it, they've rebranded it. They've made it where it's truly something a lot easier to market before any and everybody could show up to all long drive competitions. But now what they've done is they've gone back about two or three years. They've looked at the results, how people have placed. Uh, They've also looked at the fields over the competitions for the last two or three years. They've weighted them based on who was there and things of that nature. And they came up with a world ranking system. Now, if you're not in the top 50 in the world ranking system, it's very, very hard for you to get into a long drive event that is on the WLDA sanctioned events and tour. They only have one where it was an absolute open event. The rest of them, the easiest thing you can do is you go and you compete in events that are local qualifiers. You pay $40, you hit a few balls, hopefully you qualify for the regional. When you get to the regional, You go through the double elimination, and you try to get a spot to Worlds. The more that you do that, you'll get more World Ranking points, and from there you move up. The other opportunity is you qualify for World Championships. You have a great showing at World Championships, and you'll get points based on your showing, which also can get you a higher World Ranking um, point value. The other thing you can do is you can go over to Europe and do do the LDET, which is a long drivers European tour, which is a very, very good tour. It's not a D league. It's not a C league or anything like that. It's one of the just, just a European tour. And you can go over there and you can compete. And they also give points for that event. The Japanese tour is probably the hardest one to get in because everything is written in Japanese. So if you don't understand Japanese, it's hard for you to get in. And a lot of their events, you have to be either a Japanese resident, or a japanese citizen so if you're neither one of those it's very hard to get into that there used to be a canadian tour i don't know if they're going to bring that back for 2018 but i do believe in 2018 they're going to start a developmental tour for long drive which is something they did three years ago and i think they're going to bring that back which will give people the opportunity to compete they may do their event the day before the pro event so that people can get some points and it'll be a smaller cash first. Because like you said before, the biggest thing about golf is the financial expense to get into the game and get the experience. Long drive is probably the hardest thing because with the club, there are no fitting carts. So you go out, you buy a driver, you love it or you hate it. And if you hate it, you chuck it in, you start all over again, or you find a way to make do with it until you can earn the money to get new equipment or you find, the sponsorship one way or the other. Um, so that's one of the things that will help a person get into the sport, go on the WLDA website, see where the local qualifiers are, go out there and test it out. Of me. For 40 bucks for eight balls, you really can't get any cheaper than that. And you can see, hey, okay, do I have what it takes? Can I put up some similar numbers to the guys out there hitting? Or I can't. And how much practice do I really need to do to to compete at that level?
0: That's really cool, and I like that they're thinking about putting in a developmental tour because yeah, you, know, you can tell world long drive it really is growing. I mean, it's the it's the adrenaline side of golf. It's uh, it's ho- so highly entertaining. So that's really cool. to are thinking about doing that. How was uh how was your experience over in Europe? Do you have a good time over there and 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 doing that tour?
1: Yeah, definitely. The European tour for me was uh probably the catalyst for what you see now, I think, without going over there and competing against those guys, uh the Tom Hollingsworth, Scott Bevens, Emil Rosebergs, Timu P. Cannon and the rest of those guys over there, the top guys in Europe. I-, I don't see myself being where I am today. Uh their format over there, while the competition is extremely stiff, they were not doing the double elimination format like they were here. So they were doing uh round robin and match play which allowed for number one more time on the tee box for more experience of hitting and then at that time my control was not that great so i could go out of bounds but it wouldn't necessarily hurt me because you had to win two out of three so i could the chance of me going out of bounds two sets in a row was very very slim so i had a chance to recover and not be truly penalized for going out of bounds so that helped me out a lot. The format just really suited me a lot better than the ones here.
0: That's awesome. Uh, I'm jealous. Sounds like a, a great experience. And So, you know, kind of with my overall theme of my magazine and the podcast, you know, golf and entrepreneurship uh, has becoming, you know, a, a highly ranked world long drive champion led to other opportunities outside of golf. You know, one, I know you're involved with the Boys and Girls Club of America. Do you mind you know, talking a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, growing up as a kid in Pine Hills, uh, the Boys and Girls Club was just where you went after school for middle school and as well as high school. Uh, It was a cool place to be. That's where the kids went. We hung out. We played basketball. We did study hall um, after our practices and things of that nature. Eventually, I ended up becoming the youth of the year for the Boys and Girls Club uh, in my area, the state of Florida and things of that nature. And so with the Boys and Girls Club, that was one of the big things that I felt played a huge role in my life. And I wanted to be able to give back to the kids in my area. And so they uh, deemed me as the ambassador of golf for the Boys and Girls Club. It was myself and Natalie Golbus were the two ambassadors. So I wanted to teach kids that there is something different that you can see and you can do through this magnificent game of golf. And I also work with the Orlando Youth Minority Golf Association, which is the OMYGA, which, which you saw in the bill of my cap. Uh, and that's a group that pretty much was where they got the first tee from. They started 26, 27 years ago now. Uh, he really went in the middle of downtown Orlando in a middle of an urban area, built a practice facility. They go six out of seven days for some sort of golf instruction or study hall as well as play. And he services probably 130 kids uh, a calendar year. And it's a program that starts in March and it goes all the way till October. Make sure that kids get study hall, teaches them the game of golf, teaches them the rules, teaches them putting, chipping, responsibility, all of the characters. Character things that you're looking for the character attributes that golf teaches you, but he also teaches them about themselves and accountability. And they learn early, hey, if you don't have the grades, you can't play. You're in a contract with us. We expect you to act a certain way. If you don't get the grades, well, you still have to come back and do the study hall. You just can't play the golf. And until you get your grades up, so that kids are not in a situation where they get to high school or they get to college and they don't understand the importance of grades to be able to play the sports. So th- those are two things that I really, really are near and dear to my heart, and I always work with them because I believe that giving back to the to the youth and making sure that they understand that there are actually options out there for them, and they're not always athletic options, but the academic options come first, and they just need to understand that part.
0: That's really cool, man. You know, congratulations on all that. And it's amazing the more and more I learn about the golf community as a whole that there's all these organizations that are helping people. I mean, I talked to a gentleman at the Freedom Golf Association uh, a couple weeks back who's helping disabled individuals, you know, find a great life through golf and uh th- there's just charities out there who are helping veterans and, you know, it's amazing the kind of the golf community and how they always want to help benefit people.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I uh, I work with Adaptive Golf in Atlanta, Georgia. And you would be amazed at how the game of golf allows people to cope with whatever else is going on in their life, whether it be a stroke victim, a military person who's come back, whether they have PTSD or they are an amputee. You you just don't know what's going on, and but the game of golf gives people the opportunity to really find a way to change their self confidence and their self image and that's really what a lot of people in this world need at this point is a stronger self confidence and a so- stronger self image and golf gives you that.
0: Yeah, I really just couldn't agree with you more and since we're talking about self confidence, do you have anyone you've looked up to as a mentor, someone that's helped you grow, you know, not only as a person but as a golfer as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I my my list of mentors is probably as long as I am tall. Uh, it's, it's not one of those things where anybody makes it by themselves. There've been so many people who have helped me along the way and that I've learned from. So I I really, that's why I always credit the people who I've come across for uh, helping me get to this point, because it's definitely not something I did by myself. It's something that I could never have done by myself. And it doesn't matter if it's somebody who helps me with a sponsorship or introduces me to someone who, allows me to go and speak to people. It could be just something as simple as the guy who I see at the range who helps me with something small as a grip or a swing when I first started or watching people on the range and how they move into the ball and picking and choosing little pieces of their swing and things of that nature. But I'm definitely a product of a mountain of mentors, whether they knew it or not, and that's what I'm a product of 110%.
0: That's really cool, and so are there any, you know, big lessons you learned along that way? Uh, Maybe, because I usually like to wrap up these shows with, you know, a piece of advice that you can give, you know, not only aspiring, you know, world long drive uh, champions, but also just kind of anyone, you know, in golf or in life trying to, you know, kind of do what they want to do.
1: Yeah, I guess the biggest thing for me was um, you, you have to believe in yourself. You have to follow your dream. You have to listen to that voice that's on the inside. I was in chiropractic I came from a family where my mom was an engineer and my dad worked as a CEO for the convention center in the hospitality business. So I definitely was not a kid who was struggling or hurting and things of that nature. Even though the area where I grew up in, a lot of my friends did have those problems. But as I became an adult, um, I ended up being homeless. I slept in my car for three months and on people's couches and things of that nature because I decided that I wanted to be a professional loan driver. And I remember while I was in chiropractic school, I told my friend before I got kicked out of school, hey, I'm not going to be here anymore. This isn't what I want to do. And I was trying to get him, my roommate, to go to do his NFL tryouts, and he wanted to play it safe. But I knew there was something bigger and better for me, and I just could not give up on that dream. And it had me sleeping in my car. So when people look at me and I'm yelling and I'm screaming at golf balls and I'm hyped up, it's because I remember when I used to go to scramble tournaments and work them and people have me hit balls at the tournament for, you know, and I'd make 200 bucks or something like that. That was the only time that I could eat when they had those box lunches, I'd stack them up and put them in my car or I'd go to the different golf courses to shower and I'd have to find a way to wash my clothes and things of that nature. But I knew ultimately at the end of the day, I was called to do something so, so, so much bigger. And I just never gave up on that, no matter how hard it got, no matter, what people thought that, oh, there was no way and this is a dead end and you just need to give up and you need to find something else to do. So when you feel as though you're called to do something, when your gut feeling tells you that you're bigger and better than where you are at that moment, you need to give it everything that you have and understand that it's not always going to be a bed of roses on that journey. But when you get to the point where you're starting to reap the benefits of it, you'll you'll truly have a greater appreciation for it. And that's why I absolutely love this game of golf. I didn't have those issues with track and field. I didn't have them with football or any other sport, baseball, that I played. I never went homeless. I never starved. I never was sleeping in the car or or not having money and wondering how am I going to eat or am I walking down the street to practice because I don't have any gas and all these other things with any other sport, but I made those sacrifices with golf. And that's why I absolutely cherish this, cherish this sport more than anything else I've ever played in my entire life.
0: Wow. That is absolutely amazing. I mean, just congratulations on everything you have accomplished in such a short period of time. It really is incredible and just something to really look up to. And so, you know, it's been an honor to have you on the show and learn more about you. Um, So what do you, what do you have going on in the future? Any big plans coming up with golf and long drive?
1: Um, no, I'm back on the road. We're in uh Greenville, Tennessee this week, competing on Thursday and Friday. Next week we're in Memphis. Uh we're off the following week. Then we're in London. From London we go to Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls to Denver. So I'm going pretty much every weekend from now until the middle of September and then I'll get ready to go to Q school and try to do a Japanese PGA or Latin America PGA, something of that nature, try to get a card, get some status somewhere and take this thing even bigger than long drive
0: oh that's cool i didn't know you're actually uh you're going for competitive golf as well yeah that's amazing yep, how long yep. you been doing that
1: trying to do uh that's something that's really just started in the last year and a half i had uh 2000 i think it was 2012 maybe 2013 i shot the absolute worst score possible i shot uh what 215 for two days down the latin american events I had no clue what I was doing. Nerves got me. I remember showing up to the event and asking the guy, can we use rangefinders?" And everybody laughed at me. But that was my first competitive golf event I had ever played in my life. I had never played anything else before. They were all just, you know, go out and leisure golf with people. So it was definitely an eye-opening experience. And that was something that really drove me to play better golf. Right now I'm a .7 handicapped. So, I mean, in the last two years, last two and a half years, I went from a 15 to a 0.7. So I I can't ask for anything better than that. Uh, I'm playing really, really good golf. And I want to go and do something bigger than not so I can have the fame and notoriety of being the long drive guy who crossed over and plays on the PGA Tour or Web.com or something like that. I literally want to show people that if you put your mind to something that you can really achieve anything that you want to, as long as you don't ever give up, you never know what's right around the corner.
0: That's awesome, man. You know, truly best of luck to you with all your goals that you have set out for yourself. I hope you're able to go out there and accomplish them all. And who knows, maybe someone listening to this interview will get a little motivated to go chase their dreams, see what they can do.
1: Hey, I hope that they do it, man. Thank you so much. People can follow me on Instagram at Allen 360 on my Facebook, on my Twitter. We'll start documenting my journey a lot more, putting out Good scores, bad scores, good results on long drive, bad results on long drive. doesn't matter. So people can see you have good days, you have bad days. You wake up the next day and you go after it again.
0: Absolutely. Hey, everyone, yeah, give that a follow. Check Maurice out at all his social media. That will also be available in the future coming out uh, with the episode as well. And so, yeah, just stay tuned for that. And Maurice, it's been great having you, man. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the honor.
0: Of course, Maurice, it was my pleasure. And to all our listeners, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to GNE, the podcast. Make sure to go over to the website, gnemagazine.com, spelled G-A-N-D-E magazine.com, and check out the feature to go along with this episode. And so please head over to the website, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the online magazine so you never miss new content inspiring entrepreneurs and golfers. And so once again, my name is Ryan Walker, and I thank you for listening today.